listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to Answers for the Family with Alan Cardoza and Dr. Melody Fox right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Answers for the Family. I'm your host, Alan Cardoza, and each week I will bring you guests that can inspire, educate, and entertain while bringing answers and options to raising children today and in our constantly changing future. I will address issues such as locating a runaway teen, family crisis intervention, building self-esteem, dealing with addictions, and many great ways to keep your family mentally, physically, and financially sound. Now, having over 30 years' experience working with families in crisis, I've been fortunate to meet and work with some of the top professionals in many of the helping fields who are working to make this world a better place for all of us. And I'll continue to bring you some of these incredibly talented and caring people each week as we bring you Answers for the Family. Now, on a daily basis, most families are faced with choices that could either move them toward a more secure financial future or lead them down a road of debt, which can contribute to high levels of stress for all involved. Our guest today will discuss how he advises families on important strategies for developing strong financial skills and how to avoid the pitfalls of high-cost borrowing and to maximize savings and building a strong credit record. Warren Gracious is an internationally acclaimed professional speaker. He's a best-selling author, broadcaster, podcaster. Uh, he's got educational products that he's produced, and he owned a former minor league baseball team. Um, he has addressed a wide variety of audiences all over the world. Warren's radio show, so who's stopping you, ran on AM radio and over the Internet. In March of 2011, he launched the premiere of Warren's YouTube TV series, Move Your Ass Monday, <clears throat> a title that pretty much speaks for itself. Now, his book, The Best Damn Sales Book Ever, 16 Rock Solid Rules for Achieving Sales Success, has been a business bestseller and is available worldwide. Now, his new book, The Best Damn management book ever, Nine Keys to Developing Self-Motivated High Achievers, is on bookstores everywhere. Now, Warren has served on the board of directors of the National Speakers Association, and in 1998, he was awarded the highest designation when he was inducted into the Speakers Hall of Fame. Warren, welcome to Answers for the Family. Thank you, Alan. Glad to be here with you today. Well, I am, I'm glad to have you here. I've been looking forward to this. I've gone to your website. Uh, I've, so I've had a chance to hear you speak and I just knew that, that you were going to be able to bring the kind of motivation that, uh, that families will need to hear to be able to make some of those financial decisions that, that sometimes aren't as easy as we might think. Now, one of the things that I noticed, I mean, there's a term that I heard you use on your site. And if you can explain what you mean when you say, Short-term pain versus long-term gain. 
Well, sure. I'd love to explain that. That's, that's one of my big philosophies in life is, you know, we live in a, an instant gratification society where everybody's got to have it now. And the, the, the problem is no one is willing to think, you know, the way to really be successful is to think long term. Yeah, that's how we get into debt by trying to get things now that we can't afford. You know, most people, they, they, they live for today and then somewhere down the road they find they can't live anymore because they're so deep in debt they can't get what they really want out of life so my thing is if you're willing to put up short-term pain which is really short in order to get long-term pain you know I would rather I would rather feel pain for a week to have a great year than to feel gain than to feel great for a week and have a bad year that's what I'm talking about you know, what are you willing to sacrifice today that will make your life so much better down the road well, you got that right, and I think that that fits in so many in so many areas. I mean, it fits in financial, it fits in in your health, it fits in so many different things. Of you know, stop and think about what you're doing right now, and how is this going to affect you over the next year, two years, five years, however long it may be. Exactly, that's yeah. exactly right. Now, can can you give us an example of something that you did in your own life when you sacrificed in the short term? to get what you wanted, and what did that get you? All right, well, you know, it, first, first uh, and we'll get into this later, I, I, I know, um, from, you know, the, the legwork your, your associate did beforehand, but in my life, what we found was that uh, when we were willing to sacrifice up front, we were able to pretty much have everything we wanted in our lives. For instance, uh, when I, I first started my business in March of 1986, so that's oh, geez, it's almost 27 years ago. I am old, Alan. And uh, I started my business in March of 1986. My, my wife had a really good job, and, and she was doing well, and she was making good money, but you know, we were going to have a baby. We were going to have our first child, and, and she was due to give birth in uh, I had not yet been in business when we uh, I had not yet been in business a year when we found out she was pregnant she was due in October of 1987 so when we found out she was due the first thing we decided to do was well we're both working right now now mine's a fairly new business but you know she's still got a good job so we decided that before the baby came we were going to work like maniacs like dogs and save every penny we could no more eating out no vacations nothing nothing spending only on what's essential and uh i, I mean you know i wasn't making very big fees back then in my first year of speaking so in my first year as a speaker i gave something like 190 talks in one year cool that yeah, right. I, I was speaking pretty much. I was speaking pretty much everywhere, every day, and and didn't matter. My marketing plan was simple. I'll speak anytime, anywhere, uh, on any topic for any price. Even if you don't want to pay me, I'll still show up. And uh, and my and we saved we saved I don't know about thirty thousand dollars in one year, because we knew we were going to need a cushion. Why we planned ahead. We, my wife and I planned ahead before the baby ever came, and it was decided that she was going to stop working. We felt one parent needed to be home with the child, and that, that was our goal, to be able to live on one income. I was have a brand-new business. My business wasn't going to be generating a lot of money even once the baby came. It would only be uh, around a year and a half, and we were going to be losing her salary. So we knew we'd take a hit that first year the baby was born, and we did, but we had the cushion. We put our money away for a rainy day, which is something the government should learn how to do. And uh, when the baby came, we were able to weather the storm, 
And then eventually the business took off. And when my daughter was born four years later, right after she was born, my wife came to work for me, with me, I should say. And she's been working with me ever since. We both work out of the house. So what we were able to do by, by conditioning ourselves to live on one salary was we were able to do whatever we wanted with our lives. In other words, we always felt someone should be home for the kids. Well, with us working out of the house and my wife working with me, we were able to do that. Because we're able to work on one salary, there's always been someone home for the kids, and 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 they've always been able. They've never come home to an empty house. Well, and and again, there's a lot of people that listen to this show that work with at-risk youth, and and again, in looking at the big big picture, we're talking about financial, but you just touched on something that's bigger than all of that, and that is. Yep raising of our children and to raise these children and to give them you know two parents that are there with them one or the other being able to be there uh and and spend time with them you know we know has been proven over and over again how beneficial that can be uh, you know to to them being able to to grow as young people to where you're not having to deal with a lot of these other issues so yeah, I mean it's I, I know we're talking about financial, but I think at the same time, you know, this also makes a huge impact, you know, on the psychological well being of your family. It it all ties together, Alan. Absolutely. It all ties together. You know, financial happiness and personal happiness. If 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 you know, if if you're if you're secure financially but personally you're not happy, that's gonna affect you. That's gonna affect your financial happiness. You must have your life in balance. Yep. Absolutely. Now, you, you make it sound kind of easy, but uh, as you mentioned when you mentioned government a little bit ago, you know, we live in this age of instant gratification, and yep. and most people aren't thinking long, long term. Why do you think that is, and, and what can we do to change it, uh, and at least from the personal level, because it would be a whole lot harder to try to change the government right now? Well, yeah, it'd be almost. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't be impossible to change the government. I've seen it done. I've seen it done in New York City, actually, which was once considered ungovernable. But um, you know what? You know what it is, Alan. It, it's not that people don't want to do it; they just really don't know how to do it. And the single biggest reason is is because they have no goals. They have no goals, and they have no plan for their lives and their careers. You know, they 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 don't really know what they want. And when they think they know what they want, like some people say, well. I really want to own this big house, but I really can't afford it. So instead, I'll settle for going on 12 vacations that I really, you know, uh-huh. I can afford to go on vacation instead. So I'll go on vacation. Well, that vacation you just took got you that much further away from buying the house because you spent $3,000 on a vacation that could have gone towards the down payment on the house. You didn't have to have the house tomorrow, but you didn't formulate a plan to get the house. and You don't really know what you want. Most people don't get what they want out of life simply because they never bothered to sit down and figure out what it is. And, so, and, and, the, the, and, and, and as you said, and, and unwilling to make it a long-term goal, so, so to say, I'm not going to go on these vacations at $3,000 a year, and maybe I have right. to wait three years to be able to buy that house that I really want. Exactly. So, you know, because they right – up, right in the short term, they can't get what they think they really want, so they go spend on stuff they don't want but makes them feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, my first five years in business, we never took a vacation. We never took a vacation unless a client was paying for my wife to come with me uh, on one of my speaking trips. Then that's the only time we went. We never took a vacation. We are, are when we were working when we had our first um, 
we had a, a two-bedroom apartment one time in Manhattan, and my office was in the living room. We had no furniture. It was just my desk and my phone and my computer. And, uh, and that's how we lived for a short time. But you know what? That ability to sacrifice up front has allowed us to do pretty much everything. You know, it's a lot, you know, the ability to think long term has allowed me to start my, to, to quit a job I hated and start a business. Mm-hmm. Because I knew what I wanted to do. I had, I had a goal. I had a written plan. Not hard to do. I had a goal and a written plan. It allowed me to start my own business. It allowed us to live on one income and raise our kids the way we choose to raise our kids. It has allowed us to relocate down to North Carolina. We relocated 15 years ago, just packed up and left. And it has allowed us, now it's allowed me to move into retirement. I'm sort of semi-retired at this point. And, and, and I would also think that it's allowed you to kind of pick and choose where it is that you want to speak. You know, I mean, at that yeah. point, you know, it's, it, it'd be a great situation when you said you didn't really take the vacations because if you were going to speak in, in, in Paris, honey, we're going to Paris. If, if the next time right. you're going to speak in, in Orlando, honey, we're going to Orlando. I mean, it's, right. you know, and that makes good sense. And in fact, and it's it's something that I do. Fortunately, I belong to some some very nice uh, associations, and I do a very similar thing. You know, it's it's looking forward and saying, "Honey, guess what? Our association is going to go to Italy, you know, in in a year and a half. You know, let's start planning that now." Which is what you're saying. Right. Let's plan it. So so I think that's one thing that people can do. But give our listeners some other specifics on how best to formulate these type of goals or to set plans for themselves okay very simple all right first of all there's a five steps process to the goal setting process one is you got to see it you got to see yourself successful you got to visualize it you've got to be able to create a picture of what you want your success to be in your mind so you know you create that picture of what you you see it you visualize it create the i mean if you can't see it if you can't see yourself doing something how can you possibly be able to do it in real life I mean, let's face it, it's a lot easier to do this stuff in our dreams than it is in real life. So that's, that's the first step, right? The first step is to see it. You see it, you visualize it, you set the goal, you write it down, then the next step after, well, the second step is to write it down. All right, first step, visualize it, see yourself successful, see yourself doing what you want to do, create a picture, write it down. Second step, formulate the plan. Plan on, the, formulate the plan, write down the steps that you will take to achieve that goal. Third, uh, the fourth step, that's the third step, is planning. The fourth step is action. You gotta take some action. You got, you know, you have that plan, do it. Do something. Take that first step. And then the fifth step of the process is persistence. Keep going. Sustain the effort. It's like I always say, people never fail. They just stop trying. So those are the five steps of the process. It'll take you, if you sat down and planned out your goals, and, and if you wrote down a set of goals for your lives and your careers, all you people out there, and then you, 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 you put together a separate action plan for each goal, I guarantee you it wouldn't take you more than a half hour to do that. No more than a half hour to do that. You know? Well, think about I, say, it. I mean, and, and again, and I think this is great, and if you could, and I, I think we have time, could you go over these one at a time, you know, to sort of explain them in a little bit more detail. But I also want, before you do that, I, I just want to tell everybody that's out there listening. And again, not those of you that are driving, you're not going to be able to do this. But, <laughs> but, but if you go to, if you go to www. 
greshes.com that's g r e s h e s.com you can open up another window on your computer right now and some of the things that Warren is talking about you can see it right there so um and and again this also gives you a moment grab a pen grab a pencil write down some of these things because again the second thing you're supposed to do is write it down if you start right now and you write down these things you're ahead of the game to begin with so with that, Warren, again, if you can go into a little more detail, I think this would benefit everybody out there. Okay, let's, let's do that. Let's go into some detail. First step, I told you, you've got to visualize. See yourself successful. Visualize it. Create the picture of what you want your success to be in your mind. You know, most people have vague goals. They talk in terms of more. They talk in terms of a lot. I want, I want to make more money. I want to make a lot of money. I want to live in a bigger house. I want to have a better job. What the hell does that mean? You know, people say to me, I want to make more money. Well, if I gave you a nickel, you'd have more than you walked in with, but I don't think that's what you're talking about. You know, people say, I want to make a lot. What the heck's a lot? You know, everybody's a lot is different. What's a lot to one person is not a lot to another person. The, the only thing that matters about a lot is that you know what your a lot is. Because only if you know what your a lot is can you formulate a plan to get it. You know, people say, I want to make a lot of money, but they can't define it. So they don't know how to go get it. They, you can't formulate a plan to make a lot of money. It has to be a specific number. Money is not a motivator. Let's get that right out of the way. Money's not a motivator. It's a vehicle. It is a vehicle that allows you to live the type of lifestyle you choose to live. So what you really need to know, all you people listening out there, you need to be answering, you need to be able to answer one question. How do I want my life to look? If you can tell me how you want your life to look, that will tell you how much money you need to support it. And once you know how much money you need to support it, now you can formulate a plan to get it. Now you've got to write down the goal. You got the goal, you got to write down the goal. Why do you need to write down the goal? Because you might forget it. People say, oh, I don't need to write it down. I'll remember it. Yeah, you ever wake, Alan, you ever wake up in the middle of the night with a good idea? Absolutely. All the time. Right? You, right? And, and if you just, if all you did was go back to sleep, what happens when you wake up the next morning? I'm thinking about 17 other things by then. Right. You forgot that idea. <laughs> it's right. gone. Right? All these people think, well, I'm going to remember all my goals. My God, what are you kidding me? You woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning with an idea you, you were convinced was going to make you millions of dollars, and then four hours later at 7 o'clock it was gone. Really? How long till you forget your goals? Six hours, 8, 10, 24? Write it down. Now, here's and, what and you got to do when you're And, and, and let me add something to that also because I used to keep a pen and paper next to the bed. Uh, That's right. The problem is, is sometimes I couldn't read what I what I thought that I wrote. <laughs> so what I now do is is I keep a recorder by the bed so that I, you know, I can just, I can just speak into it. And although it sounds a little groggy, I can usually understand what it was I was trying to say at that point. So okay, just a now, little thing. Let me tell you something. When you write that idea down clearly or when you wake up in the night, you record that idea. When you wake up the next morning and you hear that idea or read that idea, you get excited. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. So you write down your goals. Why do you write down your goals? A, so you don't forget them. B, because the writing down of a goal is the first commitment to actually doing it. Let's face it, folks. If you're not committed enough to take five minutes to write it down, what makes you think you're committed enough to take three, five, ten years of hard work, time, and effort to go on and get in it? And number three, it makes you accountable to the one and only person you can't fool, which is you. Uh-huh. 
We can fool everybody in our lives. We can fool our spouses, our parents, our friends, our, our neighbors, our coworkers. But the only person that knows the absolute God's honest truth is us. So that's three reasons why you need to write down your goals. Now, when you write down your goals, I want you to remember three things. One, be specific. Please do not write down, I want to make more money or I want to get a better job. Be specific. Number two, time frames. When you write down what it is that you want to achieve, write down the year you intend to achieve it by. Because a goal, let me tell you what a goal is. A goal is a dream with a deadline. If you have no deadline, when are you going to start? People say, well, I'll get around to it sometime. Come on, Alan. Hey, Alan, do you have kids? Yes, I do. Okay. Now, when you say ask your kids to do something around the house, they say, oh, don't worry, Dad, I'll get around to it sometime. When they say sometime, what does that usually tell you? That is sometime that I won't see. Right, that it's <laughs> never going to happen. I love when people use the word sometime because it's got the word time in it, but it means never. Right. So put frames. When you write it down, what it is that you want to achieve, write down the year you intend to achieve it by. And number three, when you're writing down these goals, place no limits on your ability to achieve. If it's what you really want, write it down. Here is one of my pet peeves, Alan. When people say set reasonable goals, set achievable goals. What the heck? You know what, you know what that means when people say, make your goals achievable, make sure they can be achieved, make sure they're reasonable. You know what that means? That's a code word. It means low. Uh -huh. It means set your goals low enough so that you can't fail. Whoa. Uh, folks, are we looking, uh, you know, I don't want you to not fail. I want you to succeed. There's a huge difference between succeeding and not failing. And, and when you set your goal, when you set a goal because it's easy to achieve, it might not be what you want. So what are you going to do? You're going to work for the goal that you really didn't want. You're going to achieve the goal, and you're going to say, what the heck did I do that for? I don't really care. You settled. That's it. You write down anything you want. You want to write. I don't care what it is. You reach. Stretch for the moon. If it's what you really want, write it down. Now, people say to me, well, that's ridiculous. You know, one, uh, uh, in fact, true story. A guy comes up to me after one of my speeches and says, you don't believe in realistic goals. That's right. Realistic is the word. Set realist. I hate that word, realistic. What's realistic, right? Uh, set realistic. He says, okay, next year I want to make $10 million. I said, so who's stopping you? I said, what do you think? No one in the United States has ever made $10 million in a year? So I said to him, listen, let me tell you something. I'm going to map out how you're going to do it. So I gave him a, I mapped out a plan on how he could make $10 million over the next year. You know, he said to me, he said, whoa, that's not realistic. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's not realistic? Is it the goal that's not realistic or is that you're not willing to do what it takes to achieve the goal? That's it. See, what makes a goal realistic, folks, is if you are willing to do what it takes to achieve it. If you're willing to do what it takes to achieve it, anything's realistic. If you're not, then nothing's realistic. Write it down. I don't care how wild or crazy you might think it is. The real, the reality, reality will come in when we get to the next stage, which is planning. Because in the planning stage, you're going to write down what you need to do to achieve that goal. And then once you do that, you're going to say to yourself, now is this realistic? Now we come to the planning stage. You're going to write down a plan for each goal. You don't, people who are not successful don't have a plan. Right. Hey. Generals have, have battle plans. Coaches have game plans. Business owners have business plans. People that go, generals that go into battle without battle plans. Coaches that go into games without game plans. And business owners that open a business without a business plan, 
they're going to fail. Uh-huh. They're going to fail. That's it. It's fact. You know? So you need a plan for your life. Is your life as important as any general's battle or any coach's game? Of course it is. Yep. Why don't you have a written plan? All right. Here's the key to a written plan. I'm going to give you three things you need to do to have a good written plan. Take these goals, and for each goal, you're going to write a plan. Your plan needs to be expressed in continuous action. It needs to be broken down into accomplishable steps. And it needs to give you the ability to measure your progress every step of the way. Okay, think about that. Continuous action, accomplishable steps, the ability to measure progress. What's continuous action? You want to break you. The key to achieving a goal is to break it down into little goals. The beauty of the plan is it takes the big goal and breaks it down into shorter, easier to accomplish steps so that you never have to focus on the end result till you're just one step away from it. You know, people might have a goal. It could be five years in the distance, but if they don't have a plan, every day they're waking up in the morning, they're looking at that goal that's five years away. And it seems so far, and they have no roadmap. They have no stopping off points. So every day they're waking up, and they're looking at this thing. And a month later and two months later, it still looks so far away, and they're working so hard toward it. And finally, they start to get frustrated. And once people get frustrated, what do they usually do? Give up. That's it. And once you give up, that's the only time you fail. But when you have a plan and you break it down into shorter, easier to accomplish steps, you don't have to look at the end result. I get up in the morning, I look at that first step. I say, I'm going to go after that first step. I go after it, I, t- I get it, I accomplish it. How do I feel? You feel good because you've, you, you've bitten off a little bit of it. You've, you've taken that little bit of a step. A li- you're a little bit closer to getting to the goal that you set. See it, and I can feel it, and I, I know I did it. It's measurable, and I say, wow, that's great. And because I'm able to accomplish that first step, what, is that, what does that give me? It gives me incentive to do what? To keep going. Absolutely. See, all I'm interested in is that you give yourself enough incentive and reinforcement that you just keep going. Because I know if you keep going every day, eventually you're going to get there. You have to get there. You can't fail if you keep going. And you take that next step, that next step, and all of a sudden you're building that sense of accomplishment. It's like losing weight. You know, if I wanted to lose 24 pounds in a year, I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to. That's not my plan. My plan is to lose two pounds a month. A lot easier to lose two pounds a month than 24 pounds in a year. So my plan is to lose two pounds a month, then I break up the plan further. How do I lose that two pounds a month? What do I got to do? Or I want to save, um, I don't know, $1,000 over the next year. Well, I got to save, you know, if I save $100 a month, I'll save $1,200 in a year. How can I save that $100 a month? You know, if well, if I stop going to Starbucks three times a day, I can fund the 401k. I am amazed. <laughs> what they spend at freaking Starbucks, that's just indecent. And they have no savings. It's coffee, folks. Would you rather have a, a, a comfortable retirement or would you rather drink coffee that tastes burned? For everybody out there, you're listening to Answers for the Family, and we will be right back. Founded over 25 years ago to meet the needs of families in crisis, West Shield specializes in resolving adolescent issues that negatively impact the family. From preteen to young adult, we are experienced and qualified to help. We offer solutions which include referrals to a network of top professionals internationally that we work very closely with in the fields of educational consulting, psychology, and psychiatry. Our in-home crisis intervention care program helps to stabilize families and bring effective resolution. 
We are supported by our licensed investigation company that enables us to offer legal and expert services for locating runaway teens and more. Our therapeutic transportation services help to ensure that adolescents in crisis are safely provided transportation to specialized schools and programs with unmatched experience and success. Simply put, West Shield Adolescent Services is the best solution when your family is facing personal crisis. Call 1-800-899-8585 and let us help you. All right, we're back. I'm Alan Cardoza. You're listening to Answers for the Family. My guest today is Warren Gresius, and we are going through uh, sort of a five-step uh, program in in how you can reach the goals that you are setting for yourself. So, and and, and right before we uh, went to commercial, we had talked a little bit about visualizing it, writing it down, planning it, and we were talking about action. So, Warren, let's pick it up with action and the actions that they can do to make sure that they reach these goals. Well, like I said, you know, uh, Alan, make the first steps of any plan, of any written plan, make them easy to accomplish. Because it, the whole idea is to never stop. The whole idea is to keep going every day. So like I said, the last step of the process is persistence, and people don't fail. They just stop trying. What, 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 what stops most people from achieving what they want out of life is they give up. So they don't have a goal. They don't have a plan. But once you have that plan, make the first few steps of each of your plans so easy to accomplish. You have no excuse not to do it. I want you to get into the habit of accomplishment. I want you to do a little bit every single day. Uh, you know, it, it's sort of like getting in shape. Now, you're not going to, you know, you're, you're, you're so much better off getting in shape. If you worked out five times a week for 30 minutes, it would be much better than working out once a week for two and a half hours. Now, I realize it's the same, it's the same amount of exercise, but you're not creating the habit. By doing a little bit every single day, you're creating the habit. You know, and, and plus, plus you don't hate exercise. I, you know, it's hard to do a distasteful task if you do it a lot, a little bit. In other words, if I just exercise once a week for two and a half hours, after a while, let's say I exercise Wednesdays, for two and a half hours. By Tuesday, I am dreading Wednesday mm-hmm. because I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that. But if I just do a half hour every day, I do. I get into it easily. I'm doing it at my pace. Do do as when you get into a task you don't want to do, but you have to do. Do it only as much as you can without without getting sick of it and without giving up. In other words, uh, here's a good example. When I first started my business was before computers, before Quicken software. I had to keep my books by hand. I used to have to put it oh, in, in a ledger, and I hated it. I hate paperwork. And I just let it pile up on me, and I was months and months behind in my accounting. And finally I decided, how long could I do this without wanting to kill somebody? And I decided that that was 15 minutes. So every single day, I'd do the books for 15 minutes. When 15 minutes was up, I'd stop. And don't, and, and don't say, well, what if you're on a roll? What if you feel? No, no, no. Who, I, wouldn't you rather stop on a roll? Wouldn't you rather stop while you're feeling good? Because right. I wanted the incentive to do it again tomorrow, and that's what I did. You know what? It only took me two weeks of 15 minutes a day to catch up with months of bookkeeping. Right, and and if you're if you're on a roll or there's something feeling good, jump right into something that um, that you want to do because you're probably going to expand it even more. That's right. That's right. So do a little bit a lot rather than a lot a little bit, just like with exercising or, or with 
doing paperwork, or, or with anything that you don't like to do. Do a little bit a lot, not a, or with your plan. Do a little bit every single day rather than a lot once a week so you get into the habit of accomplishment and just the, and just the habit of doing something. If you do something all the time, it becomes a habit. Makes good sense to me. So did we touch on persistence? Okay, well, again, people don't fail. They just stop trying. As long as you keep going out there day after day after day after day, you're giving yourself the, the ability to be successful, to be great, and to be the best. But the second you stop, you've taken away any opportunity you ever had to be successful. Now, what about you – know, most people oh, – go, go ahead. ahead. I was, I was going to say most people stop after their first taste of success because they don't understand that all the time, all the energy, all the effort, all the commitment that it takes to get to be the best or to get to the top, that's the same thing you've got to do to stay on top. Well, you why, why, do you think, why do you think most sports teams never repeat as champions? Well, some would say they're not hungry enough. <laughs> and that's it. They, you know, they don't want to put in all the time, energy, and effort to, to stay there that they did to get there. Well, and, and you answered my point because that's what I was going to say is, is that once they get to that point, you know, what do you then do? Uh, in there some, sometimes is it better to, to, to bring up a new goal or what do you then do to continue to build off of the one that you have just achieved? Well, I think it's always good to have goals. I think it's always good to have new challenges in your life. I tell people to make a set of goals and they say, well, what happens after I've done all of them? I said, well, you know, take a knife and kill yourself. What are you talking about? What do you do? You set some more goals. Set some more goals. Keep the challenges coming. Don't ever get bored. Keep those challenges. Always set new goals. Always be setting new goals. Hey, always be, um, always be going over your goals every three to six months. You know why? Because a goal you set today, six months from now, might not be important. You know, when you're young and you're single, one of your goals is to get a fancy two-seater sports car. All of a sudden, you're married and you have kids, and your goal is to get a nice big minivan. <laughs> yep. So your, life your life will always change. Your priorities will always change. Be on top of it. So review and go over your goals on a three- to six-month basis. And if you got a goal that's not important to you anymore, get rid of it. And here's another one. What if you had a goal, and you were working towards that goal, and the deadline was – the end of the year. You got to the end of the year and, and you're not quite there yet. What do you do? Kill yourself? No. Extend the deadline. It's yours. You know what's great about goals and plans? They're written on paper with a pen or a pencil. They're not carved into a block of stone with a hammer and a chisel. They can change. They're yours. The goal-setting police will not kick down your door and say, okay, pal, you're coming with me. You didn't get to that. You didn't finish that goal in the allotted time. That ain't going to happen. Well, l let me jump. Th we've got some questions coming in. We've got some instant message questions. We've got some um, uh, email questions that are coming in from listeners. One, one writes, uh, I would like your opinion on what steps we the people can take to initiate a change in the credit card interest rates. Most are 17 to 23%. I believe it is killing our economy. Um, as rather than families having to spend money on items they need and uh, stimulating product sales, the banks are racking in the money in outrageous interest. You want to stop them from charging 17%? Stop charging. Cut up your credit card. Work pay it. off your bill. Pay it off you, right you know, away. Pay off your bills every month. I pay, with that. I pay for everything with a credit card, <clears throat> but for only one reason. For get, um, get airline right. points. Right. 
airline points, money back on gasoline, and because I pay it off in full every month. <clears throat> okay? It, 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 that person said something about in that question, uh, we need more money to pay, families need more money to pay for what they need. Obviously, you're paying interest rates on credit card debt because you bought a lot of stuff you didn't need. Uh-huh. Nobody's racking up credit card debt because they bought the essentials. People are racking up credit card debt because they bought stuff they didn't need. You know, Alan, let me give you a quick story. Sure. I grew up in Brooklyn. You couldn't figure that out. You know, <laughs> uh, I grew up in Brooklyn in, 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 in the 50s and, and, and 60s. And my family, we lived in a two-bedroom apartment. We had one bathroom. I shared a bedroom with my sister. We had one TV set. We did not get a car until I was nine, and we did not have air conditioning. We never went on vacation. Um, yet, you know what? We were considered middle class. Now, if someone grows up like that, they're considered dirt poor. And the problem is middle class, I, I, I read these articles about the middle class is getting squeezed. But it seems to me that the middle class is squeezing themselves by buying a lot of stuff they don't really need. I never felt poor. I never felt deprived. I had a baseball glove. I had a bike. Of course, it was stolen pretty quickly. Um, and, and, you know, we used to go out and play. Uh, kids don't do that anymore. It's interesting. We used to go out and play all the time and never any speed bumps in the road. Now you can't drive anywhere without a speed bump, and I never see a kid playing. Right. So... Um, so uh, my my feeling is that the middle class is squeezing themselves. Did you really need to go to Disney World and, uh, on a credit card? There, there's no reason to go into Hawk with a credit card unless you're trying to finance your business. Makes sense. There's no reason. There's no reason to go into Hawk with a credit card on personal stuff, eating out, stuff like that. Right. Hey, I'm, you know, I've achieved some some financial independence, but in our house, we still only eat out like once a week. It's, it's prudent thinking. Let me jump to another question. We have one here that reads, one of my dear friends just lost her job in early December, and then in parentheses it says company cutbacks. A single mom, she was struggling before this happened and is having a very difficult time finding a job and paying her bills. Her greatest fear is that they will foreclose on her home. Other than unemployment, which takes weeks to get and is small compared to her needs, what can she do? Well, there's two ways to make money in this world. Either earn more or you spend less. The first thing she needs to do is go line by line over every penny she spends and figure out how to spend less. It's possible. It's entirely possible. Um, I, I, you know, I can't, I can't say without seeing her, her numbers, but I know that's possible. Second, go out and, and get any kind of job you can. I mean, you know, if you could, it, it, you know, I'm, I, I, I cringe when I hear these unemployed college kids say things like, I'm not going to take a job like that. I'm not going to wait on tables and I'm not going to, you know, deliver pizzas or, or something like that. That's beneath me. I, I always ask some of these kids, how come it's beneath you to take certain jobs, but it's not beneath you to sponge off your parents? <laughs> so, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't know her situation and, and it's unfair of me to really get deeply into it but i would say there's only two things she can do you know either either go out and get any kind of job you can i mean maybe if you can make some money off the books you can also collect unemployment i'm not quite sure why it's taking weeks to get unemployment uh i know people that 
file for unemployment and within a week they get it. You can file online for unemployment in most states. And um, well, that, get, get a job. That, get a job off the books. You can still collect unemployment and cut down your expenses. I don't care what your expenses are. Cut them down. Don't do any unnecessary driving. No more eating out. Shop at the supermarket. Whatever. Yeah, and and actually, and that that makes good sense that you brought up about the fact of online. It says it takes weeks. They may not even know. In other words, somebody who's never been on unemployment. Right. Uh, you, know, you you just said you can do it online. I wouldn't have known that. You know, so yeah, I wouldn't have either. But somebody I just know got fired from their job, and they said, "I'm just going to um, file online if right as soon as my last day is up." Yeah, and so, I said, "Oh, you could do that now." I said, "Yeah." Yeah. So again, that that, that may be one of the things that'll help right there. Um, and we have another. This is an email that has come in. It says. Um, uh, a while back, when I found myself literally swimming in debt, I came across an online article that explained a system of paying more each month on the debt uh, with the greatest interest charges until it was cleared off, okay. then tackling the next largest one and so on. Uh, um, at the same time, I also cut back on my spending. While well, this person is answering the previous question, <laughs> uh, it, took, it, it took three years, but now I am debt-free. Um you know, does your advice include a system such as this? Well, obviously, obviously, yeah. the first thing you pay, and you know, I'm just gonna, you know what? First of all, I applaud you, whoever you are. I applaud you. Second thing is, uh, obviously, you always pay off. If you have debt, you always pay off the 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 debt with the highest interest rate. You know why? Think about it. If you have a 17 percent interest rate and you make extra payments on that, you realize it's like investing money at 17 percent. Where can you invest money and get a 17 percent return so easily? So you always pay off your your first. It's like you know there were times when I wanted to prepay my mortgage, but my mortgage rate was so low and my investments were getting me a higher return than my mortgage rate. Why should I pay off my mortgage? You know, if my mortgage is at let's say four percent. And I'm getting, uh, and my investments are yielding me five to ten percent. Heck, I'm going to just keep paying my mortgage every month. I'm not going to pay any extra. Plus, I get the tax deduction. So why pay it? So pay off. Obviously, you pay off the high interest rates first. You pay and, and so on and so forth till so you're out of debt. And he said, he or she, whoever wrote uh, the email, said the key thing: cut back on spending. I don't care what it is you do. You know, my son has an entry-level job. He lives in New York City. My son has his own apartment, and he has an entry-level job. He's got his own apartment in New York. Now, well, you all know how expensive that is. He's got an entry-level job. And you know what? He saves money. You know why? Because he doesn't, he does, well, he doesn't drink coffee, first of all. <laughs> but he, he, he cooks his own meals. And when he cooks his dinner, he makes extra and takes it home the next day for lunch. If you just bring in your lunch to work every day, I guarantee you'll save at least fifty dollars a week. At least fifty dollars a week. Well, you, you you mentioned about your mortgage, and we have another. This is a, a instant message question that's coming in, and it says, "What is your opinion of these in parentheses? Pay your mortgage every two weeks." And the parentheses programs. Do they really help you pay off your home sooner? Uh, and pay uh, considerably less in interest? If not, which of the programs out there really helps our family's financial plan? We've got about two and a half minutes. Okay. Yes, you will pay your mortgage off sooner because you're ma- by paying every two weeks, you're making a payment. In other words, instead of making, you know, if you paid off, 
you pay off once a month, you'd think every two weeks would give you 24 payments, but it doesn't. It gives you 26 payments. So you're actually paying off one extra month a year. So <clears throat> naturally, by doing that, you are going to pay your mortgage off early. And, and I, I think that's great. I think that's great. But, but here, here, here is my um, caveat on that. Uh-huh. The money you're saving on interest, are you, do you have, if you have investments, make sure that, that you're, you know, if you're going to invest that money instead and get a higher rate of return on your investment than you would get on the extra, by saving on the interest on the mortgage, I'd rather not do it. But if you're not and you don't have a lot of savings, I'm all for it. Paying off the mortgage early is a great thing. Having no debt is, I just recently, I paid off my mortgage a year ago. I have absolutely positively no debt in my life and I love it. Congratulations. Thank you. I only ran up credit card debt once in my life, and that was back when I first started my business. But it was only for business items. It was never for personal crap. So it was easy to pay off the credit card debt once the business started to generate income, generate some significant income. Have you had any interest in running for office? Because I'd sure like somebody to be able to explain this to our government, the people running our government. Yeah, I've had people approach me and say that, but here's my problem. I don't compromise very well, and I don't play well with other children. And if you want to talk children, that's our Congress. It's a bunch of children. You know, they're, they're, the, the problem with the government is they're only interested in getting reelected. They're not interested in doing what's best for you and I and the rest of the people out there. So every the government never makes decisions based on economics. They only make decisions based on politics. Well, unfortunately, um, I agree. And with that, let me just tell everybody, um, you know, if, if you, if you want to learn more, and I wish that Warren could be with us longer, it's www.greshes.com. It's G-R-E-S-H-E-S.com. Um, it's got his own, uh, internet television show. Uh, I've looked at some of the shows. Uh, you know, it's great. There's plenty of videos. Almost any subject as it relates to finance, there's something on there. So please check it out. Warren, thank you so much for coming on. I think you gave us an You're incredible welcome. amount of information, and I hope that uh, there are plenty of people out there that are going to take this to heart. Well, I hope so, too, and thank you very much for having me, Alan. It was a pleasure being with you today. All right. Pleasure was ours. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. And for everybody out there, please, we look forward to you being with us again next week. So come back uh, and keep listening to Answers for the Family. You're listening to Answers for the Family with Ellen Cardoza and Dr. Melody Fox right here on L.A. Talk Radio. 